what is contributive learning? You know, contributive learning is really about um, the desire to have students feel like what they're doing every day in the classroom make a difference. So they're really looking at using their learning and being part of that classroom environment that says, I'm, I'm making a difference. And then it's about those bigger things as well. So um, taking what they're learning and using it in the community to say, um, how can we make our world a better place um, based on what we're learning? I'm Tom Vanderek, and you're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. And today we're joined by Dr. Ellen Perconti. She's the superintendent in Goldendale. I I can't say that I've been in Goldendale, but it looks like it must be beautiful on the on the bluffs of the Columbia River. It is gorgeous. And we have views of both Mount Hood and Mount Adams um, from the area, as well as being able to overlook the Columbia River. Um, We're kind of right on the edge of what they consider the gorge, um, which is kind of nice in some ways as well. So we're still very small, very rural, um, have those values within the community. And um, it's a gorgeous setting. I'm heading to Walla Walla for a little wine tasting in a in a couple of weeks. So um, I, I won't go through Goldendale, but I'll be in the, in the neighborhood. Um, well, if, a, if you were going through, you should, you should stop at a few in the area. <laughs> it's a, a beautiful part of the state that uh, a lot of people don't get to visit. Um, you've been there about three years. Is this your, your fourth school year, Ellen? Going into my fourth school year. Yep. We've just started the, the fourth year um, with this district. Yes. But you've, you've been a public school superintendent for now for over a decade. Is that right? <laughs> yes. You can, you can continue to age me there. But yeah, this is my 11th year as a superintendent. So prior to that, I was a curriculum director. Um, prior to that, a teacher on a special assignment. Prior to that, I was um, a music teacher. Um, so um, kind of worked my way through the system in that way and um, Eleven years ago, took my first superintendency in northern Idaho, and then was able to move into Washington about nine years. So this is my ninth year as a superintendent in Washington State. Why be a superintendent? It's uh, there's a lot of tough days involved, but what was what is attractive to you about the the role of being a public school superintendent? You know, when I was curriculum director, I kept seeing the things that I wanted to have in place and um, always kind of ran up to some resistance either, you know, in the higher ups in the district or whatever, and really wanted to know, can I make that difference um, at scale? So um, that was kind of the impetus of, you know, I think I know something and can I really make a difference for kids? And um, it is a journey. Um, it's not what you think it is. Um, but um, I guess at the end of the day, I, I do feel like I'm making a difference. You have been, you've served in a, a number of smaller districts. W- what are the, the particular joys and if there are uh, particular challenges of working in uh, s- smaller systems? You know, the joys are knowing the people um, and getting to, um, lead some of the professional learning for the staff. Uh, most days, I can't say all days, but most days I get into a classroom, I'm able to see the students, see the impact of what we're doing in the classroom. And I think the larger your district, the fewer of those times um, you get. And so that's um, 
I guess primarily why I like small. I also just enjoy more of the rural kind of atmosphere than um, bigger cities. So um, that's just kind of a personal piece. I love being outside and um, having those, you know, being able to go for a hike and seeing the birds fly, those kinds of things. So that's a piece of it. But, it, you know, professionally, it really is um, feeling like you can work more with the staff, um, build those relationships better with the staff, um, and see the difference that it creates for students. Ellen, it, it feels like we've been on a, a parallel professional journey. I, I think we both discovered um, the, the power of contributive learning or, or of difference making, or some people call it um, preparing kids to be uh, solutionaries. Uh, th this idea of making a difference is a, a powerful sense of mission and um, seems to be more important than ever. I I'd love to have you describe that journey for yourself of sort of how and where you this discovered that as a, as a high impact focal point for, I guess, for yourself and for uh, young people. Um, so I have to admit that I am a recovering data-holic. <laughs> um, as No Child Left Behind swept through, um, I was one of those people who was responsible for collating the data and looking at the data. Um, and I had a colleague who, every time we would sit down and look at data, would um, come alongside me and say, you know, Ellen, it's about relationships. And I would always say, yes, I know it's about relationships, and here's the data. <laughs> Um, but as I have um, continued to work to continue to be in the system, I continue to realize uh, every child is so much more than their data points. And so in looking at what does success mean and looking at what is it we really want for our children, um, I really have, I guess, developed in that, that area that I really want our children to be able to make a difference and to have that feeling that what they're doing is important. Um, I think that's going to be better for our society in the long run, and um, it's so much more fulfilling. So, and and quite frankly, I mean, just you know, Tom, people are more than the data point, and I can't tell you the number of times that I have led sessions about you know, here's the data point of the kid, what are you going to do next? And now what I try to do is look at here are the data points for the child. Um, we look at, you know, what is their self-understanding? What are the connections they're making? Um, what are their competencies as well as their knowledge, their academics? And trying to put them together in a way that um, allows our teaching staff to then design lessons that um, engage students so much more powerfully. And then that ultimate goal of um, let's let's make a difference somehow. So whether it's with the child next to you, whether it's with your classroom community, whether it's the school or our broader community, how do we use what we're learning to make that positive impact? If, if the goal is contribution um, or, or difference making, uh, that would, sounds like it would change the desired learner experience. Um, how do you now think about a good day in Goldendale? What, what kind of learner experience do you hope to see when you visit classrooms at the elementary level and then at the, at the high school? 
So all the way through, what I'm looking at is for for the children to see themselves in the learning. So it's not something designed for somebody, you know, textbooks are typically designed for somebody in Texas or California. Um, and I want them to feel like that learning is designed for them um, and that they see themselves in that learning. Um, that's a huge piece of it, that they um, have their curiosity peaked. So um, that they come in and, and we acknowledge that they have background knowledge. We acknowledge that they have um, experiences outside of what we know about and um, can use those productively within that learning. So it's um, there are foundational pieces of learning and sometimes those are rote and sometimes those are pretty perfunctory. Um, but ultimately what we want is for them to end the day with more questions than they began and um, to feel like when they're interacting with others, they're growing together. So um, that vibrancy that comes from that. All the way through um, to the high school level, um, what I know is that we don't know what our kids are going to need to know and be able to do. Um, and so rather than thinking about have they covered every piece of the curriculum, can, can they generate another idea? Can they use what they're learning to... Um, see beyond what is already there in front of them? Can they take the novel they're reading and apply it to something in their own lives or to see more broadly because of it? Um, so that idea of innovation, I guess, comes into that, that um, curiosity, sense of wonder. Um, I mean, wouldn't it be great if every day started with some experience that just left you going, wow. Um, and then being able to use that of, you know, what created that? How did I get there? What am I, what do I need to learn next in order to just expand on that? Um, I, I've heard you uh, in other settings talk about that sense of awe and wonder. Um, we, we are, uh, are fans of place-based learning of, of really inviting kids to get to know um, their community and um, and allowing that to be become an important part of their identity development. What 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 does that mean in Goldendale, and in in what ways do you try to um, encourage community connected learning? You know, with um, COVID, not to make excuses for us, but it did have an impact on what we were able to do outside um, our school setting as well as what we can bring in. I think it expanded what we're able to do in terms of video um, conferencing, those kinds of pieces. Um, but really um, looking now, again, to kind of reestablish what what are the things happening in our community? Um, I was at a meeting this morning and reminded again of um, the renewable energy that is in our area. So um, we have some fantastic people who are just looking at all different ways of how do we have this um, renewable energy and looking for ways of how do we connect our students with that. Um, so again, how do we spur their curiosity? So they're not just learning their physics, um, but they're seeing how physics works in the real world, not just learning their math, but you know, how does that actually work in the real world? Um, so we're, we're still a work in progress, Tom. I'd love to tell you we've got it all figured out and we don't. Um, but it really is just trying to figure out, you know, who are you? Who are you in the world? How do you use your learning um, in that positive, productive way? Ellen, we recently launched a, a new Pathways campaign uh, to, to try to help people um, co-construct with learners, um, you know, learning journeys that are more intentional, more linked to opportunity, uh, better supported. 
are there are there ways in which contributive learning uh, fits with that pathway concept, or is pathway the wrong way to think about a secondary learning journey? What, what's your take on pathways? Um, you go again. I'd have to ask you a bunch of questions on what you mean by pathways. <laughs> what, what do you think it should mean? Is is it a the appropriate metaphor, or do you think about it differently? Um, I think sometimes, so in my head, what I think about when I hear the word pathways is like our career technical pathways. And so here are the set of courses to head you in this direction. Um, and I think some kids are ready for that and can just take off and flourish. Um, and I think a lot of kids don't know. They don't know what their pathway should be. Um, so I don't know what the right metaphor would be, but how do we expand for them? All the opportunities are there and let them, um, kind of sit in that area of confusion for a bit. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know which pathway I want at this point in time, but I'd really like to learn about this today and maybe that tomorrow so that, um, they continue to build on, uh, those concepts and ideas as they're moving through, um. I guess in general, I think sometimes we're just too lockstep in what we're asking for. And, you know, it had, had somebody said, here's a wide open door to me. <laughs> I wonder where things might've gone versus here's where we see your trajectory. When you think about contributive learning, um, does that mean a, a class service project or do you hope that every student begins to take on for themselves a sort of a unique sense of, purpose and works out for themselves how and where they make a difference? I think it's some of both. I think it is some of the larger projects um, because I think that's where kids get the experiences they need in order to see themselves as successful in that way. Um, we, a couple of summers ago, um, had some kids just, you know, what is it you would design if you could design something different for your playground area? Um, so what they wanted were picnic tables so that they could go and eat lunch there so that they could sit with their friends and, and do artwork, those kinds of things outside. So that's what they, they created where, um, you know, they built these picnic tables. And so I think there's a part of it that they have to see what it, what it is and what it means. Um, but we talk about contributive learning in small and big ways. So those are the big ways, the class projects, the, um, you know, the, the big grand thing that we get publicity for. Those are all cool and, and wonderful. Um, but I think what feeds our hearts most is that smile that happens when you do something nice or caring or contributing to the person next to you. And um, that's the kind of thing that I, I think that we need to do more of. What, what is it today that you can do that is um, contributing to someone else, to their well-being? Have, have you, um, as a result of this journey on contributive learning, have you, you modified the way you describe your desired student learning outcomes or change the mission of your school or any anything? Are, are there ways that you've tried to create community agreements around contributive learning? Uh, again, we're a work in progress, but one of the, the conversations that we've had over the last three years is what does success mean? So our board has established a goal that all students will be successful. And then we had to start playing with the idea of what does success mean? Um, and our school board actually brought in and, and in the conversations of what they see in the community are some of the um, star academic students 
who really struggle when they leave high school. So they have the GPA, they um, get to the college level, um, but they don't have those internal resources to be able to be resilient, to um, uh, feel like they are are meant to be there and, and continue that learning. So sometimes when learning is easy for us um, and then we hit that rocky part, um, it's even more difficult. So they, they shared those examples and then they shared the example of the student who um, maybe didn't have that GPA, um, but was hardworking and now has a business within the community and um, is contributing back to the community, you know, as, as someone involved in the community. And so um, have had to try to really figure out what, what does that look like as a student? And um, we have worked on the idea through um, Joanne McKechn's work of looking at um, how do you have self-understanding? What is that self-understanding um, and some of the components within that? Um, part of that is purpose. Part of that is being able to set goals that are meaningful to you and, and to work through them. Competencies, so um, critical thinking, creative thinking, those kinds of pieces. Connection, um, and we really focused on connection last year especially um, as we came back in full-time schooling um, after covid and um, it's, a, it's a piece we still have to work on. I mean, connection is kind of at the heart of students feeling like they belong. Um, and until you know who you are, it's hard to connect with other people. It's hard to know that you belong. Um, so all of those are wrapped around that idea of success, including the academics. Um, and, you know, the hard part as a leader is to be able to articulate all of that all at once. Because um, people will take one thing. Well, you said we were supposed to focus on connection. Yes, not to the exclusion of academics. <laughs> um, so it, it really has to all play together and trying to figure out what are those ways that we look at um, student data more holistically. Um, and then again, that we design our learning in ways that really takes into account specific learners. Um, an equity question, Ellen. I guess it's easier sometimes to see contributive learning or, or deeper learning difference making as as something extra, something for high flying kids. Um, uh, but is is it for everyone? What about struggling learners and? Uh, do, do they get a, a chance to experience contributive learning? Definitely. Um, it's, it definitely has to be for all learners. Um, it can't just be for um, one sector. Um, it's not, a, in my mind, it's not an add-on at the end. So it's not you do all of these things and then you get to. And, and that's why I, I'm continuing to try to articulate how do we do that on a daily basis so it's not just the big thing at the end. It really is along the way. Um, had an experience, I was working with a teacher the other day and she expressed that um, a student in one of his reflections to her had identified that he was high functioning autism. And um, he said, what you will notice is I struggle interacting with others. I struggle being able to articulate verbally um, what's going on. But I want you to know this about me so that um, we can work better together. And, you know, those are the kinds of things, you know, he was advocating for his own learning, um, but also providing the teacher a lens to, okay, I can't just ask him these questions. I have to provide him another means of expressing that. 
And when he sees himself then in that learning environment, when he sees himself, um, when the teacher adapts those lessons specifically for him, um, that's where you really get that difference in the classroom, that feeling of, yes, I belong, and that's how I can make a difference in my learning and others. Uh, Ellen, I noticed that that you chair uh, a a leadership uh, learning group called the Education uh, leaders organization. Why? Why the commitment to um, leadership learning? Um, so the organizer um, Kevin Stoller um, articulates it really well. He says, um, "If we don't have healthy leaders, and um, we can't have healthy systems. If we don't have healthy systems, we can't do what we need to for kids." So that was a piece of it. And then just the avenue um, being created of a confidential group of other superintendents who are able to meet monthly, um, talk together, share experiences um, is extremely powerful um, and supportive. So um, I supported another group getting started and that that was their takeaway at the end is, wow, there are other people are going through similar things to me. So even though it's not exactly me, it's not exactly my organization, um, knowing that other people are dealing with some of the same problems is supportive in itself. And then um, just being able to talk through them um, is extremely powerful. I'm, I'm curious who's influenced uh, your learning in this area on, on your journey. I, you mentioned Joanne McKechn earlier. It sounds like she would be on your list. She's definitely on my list. She's one of those people who has the right knack of reaching out and um, pushing <laughs> of kind of, you know, here's the next step, um, encouraging, but also just really pushing my thinking. And um, uh, she's been amazing at um, uh, providing me kind of that idea that uh, I'm stepping into my own leadership. Um, so that's been extremely impactful. Um, there was another um, person that did much the same. So Mark Johnson, and he was the superintendent at Sanger Unified years ago and um, has since retired, but he did a lot of the same kind of thing. He was able just to reach out and give me that push that I needed um, and support when I needed, um, listened a lot. <laughs> um, so he would be another one um, that was a yeah, great role model um, along my career. We've been talking to Dr. Ellen Fercanti about contributive learning in the Goldendale School District. Um, Ellen, I, I love the idea of inviting kids into learning that matters to them and to their community. We really appreciate your leadership in Goldendale. We're glad you're in you're in the state of Washington. Thank you. Been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks to our producer, Mason Pasha, and the whole Getting Smart team for making this podcast possible. Until next week, keep learning, keep leading, and keep innovating for equity. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at GettingSmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.